Welcome back to the Pass Forward Podcast. This is episode 39, No Mercy. <laughs> yep, that's from a wrestling video game. I like that. So, <laughs> with me as always are my friends, my teammates, my tag team, if you will, Ooh, Colin Harmon. Wow. I'm that one. And Wes Allen. You're going nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're hearing a mysterious laugh, that's because we have a special guest with us. It Hello. is our friend and coworker, Joe Wiggleston. Hey, how you doing? He's so handsome. Joe yeah. is here for our very special for, episode. Because, I'm handsome for podcast <laughs> purposes. Yes. <laughs> Great face for podcasts. You just got to take our word for it. Uh, Joe is here because he is our resident expert on our topic of the day, uh, and that is pro wrestling. Expert, yeah, it's, believe it or not, it's uh, this is something that actually you know was probably in its heyday, I guess, a couple of times once in the 80s, once in the late 90s. And uh, Joe uh, knows a little bit about it, he was uh, in kind of sadly, that, I do, yeah. he, in those days, he was obsessed with it, but so was I. So, we're gonna have an interesting combination, uh, conversation because probably an embarrassing one, uh, an embarrassing one as yeah. Joe and I kind of reminisce about the wrestling days of yore. But if you were not a wrestling person, and chances are you were not, but I'm sure a percentage of you were. But if you were not, we have Colin and Wes over here to make fun of us. Yep, so. we're just here to watch the show on <laughs> We're just basically going to be the guys from the Muppets, just to be like, ah! <laughs> yeah, was it Stadler and Waldorf? Or Stadler something? and Waldorf. Yeah. Yeah, we'll yeah. do that. Uh, or we'll just Mystery Science Theater it. <laughs> there you go. So... Uh, there's some something for everybody, hopefully, in this, and um, I, I know there's a good percentage. I mean, because wrestling was and is so popular, still the most popular watch show on cable television, I believe. So it's while, while some might associate it for this stupid macho, almost kind of redneck, weird thing, it's it's a large pro- population uh, watches it. So I will say, in preparation for this episode, I've done a little bit of reading and homework to Uh-oh. see if I can get into oh, your minds, which okay. is a scary place. <laughs> but I've got a new appreciation. Not that I'm going to start watching or buying it on pay-per-view, but I'm yeah. excited for this. It should be good. Okay, good. Well, so, but before we get kicked off on all of that, we're going to get to know Joe. Hey. Get to know Joe, for, uh, just for you guys. Joe, um, we kind of do this with all our guests. You're actually our first guest probably in like, what, two years? Yeah, like, everybody, we while. lost wow. all our friends until now. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast what an alone. honor. Yeah. And you guys have been sitting in this room the whole time. Yeah, really quietly. <laughs> it's amazing. You yeah. happen to wander in here. It's pretty crazy, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's why some of us are missing limbs and have teeth marks uh, on our bodies. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Joe, let's for, just kick it off. Um, you know, How old are you? What year were you born? Um, oh, man, the math of those two questions combined. Yeah, um, it's a doozy. Um, 31. Uh, I was born in 85. Um, my birthday's in November, so it has not come yet. I don't know when you're posting this, but yes. Uh, so I'm currently 31. We're posting it today. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is a live podcast. This is live? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I was, yeah, I was born in 85. So I'm okay. kind of in the same age bracket as, yeah. as yeah. most of you guys. You're, you're all in between 80, 84, 85? Or are we all yeah. 85? I was 85. We're 84. You guys are 85. 85. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Joe and I actually were born within two days of each other. That's, oh, yeah. So, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Bosom uh, buddies. And where did you grow up? You kind of had different locations. but uh, I, I moved around. Uh, yeah. You know, we lived in Massachusetts for a while, uh, lived in, in Hawaii for a while. I grew up in Hawaii for a good majority of my formative years. And, yep. then, uh, and then New York for college. And now I'm here in Atlanta. Yeah. But where has your heart always been as far as like within the, would you say it's top rope? In the ring, 
Uh, it's already starting. <laughs> there it goes. Do I remember you saying that the reason that you wanted to live in New York was because of the opening scene of Ninja Turtles 2? Absolutely accurate. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's great. All that pizza, stuck with me for some reason. I remember, I remember the guys that in the taxi so cabs well. with the pizza, yeah. the guys in the street corners with the pizza. Everybody had pizza. There's like this There's like romantic couple and they're like linking arms and both eating pizza. <laughs> like I just thought like, man, that's the land the of pizza. The cops are arresting a guy and they're eating pizza. One has the handcuffs on. Yeah. When you're that age, you don't Pizza understand cuffs. that that's supposed to be kind of like a funny thing. I thought that was just reality. Like that's the pl- like that's a magical, yeah, amazing people place. Are just eating pizza and it kind of is true. Yeah, that's my life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So back to to, to Joe. <laughs> I love pizza. Trust me. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you have a family. You, I you do. Don't, you don't live alone anymore. Nope. Yep. I have a, a female wife and two female children. And she lives with you. <laughs> and she lives with me. Okay. Yeah. Thankfully. It's good. Um, I have a female a dog and two female cats. I am the only male uh, uh, just being in, in my wow, house. Wow, species, yeah. Yeah. It's well, well, welcome. You're in good company right now. It's very male in here yeah. and smelly. <laughs> I yes. can tell. Smelly. It's the mail room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey. Hey. Well Batting done. a thousand. We're full of jokes. <laughs> so um, kind of one thing we do that – or one thing – how we kicked off this podcast really with our first episode was like – saying the reason we talk about these things and why they are so dear to our hearts is because of how they influenced kind of our adulthood, even um, how it led to us being in the careers that we have and, Mm. you know, how the stuff that we were obsessed with in the eighties and nineties really actually ended up helping us in our adult life. So we'll get into that for you, uh, uh, which I know (laughs) there's a story for you with wrestling and everything, but yeah, sadly there is. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that's like had any relation to like, now that you're a male model, do you feel like (laughs) (laughs) all the leotards, the the sweatiness, the long hair just, yeah. Okay. So we'll get to that. I guess. Yeah. He that's why he comes to work greased up. (laughs) Yeah. I thought it was like a non true. I thought it was like a no showering policy at first, but it turns out it's just big wrestling fan yeah things you learn along the way it's fine anyways so it is and i i have to say this is probably this whole thing about me uh being a a wrestling fan or at least i would say kind of a former i mean i don't really watch as much anymore but um to be uh to have that associated anybody knows me as being one of the like gentlest nicest person people um and and nerdiest people um to sort of um to even know this about me is is a deep dive into my soul and my psyche that you guys would even it's really um, true. Mi- be mining that you would uh, yeah you would never me. look at Joe and get to know him and think oh he was a big wrestling you fan. think I'm yeah. the exact opposite of someone who would have grown up watching that obsessively yeah like we, we were know. saying just before we got into recording that like I'm so excited to see Joe excited about <laughs> wrestling because I feel like he's always holding back because it's not oh the person yeah that he is it is so not now. cool and when it's not cool uh, anymore it's not it's like the there best. was a minute when I was a teenager where it was like, yeah, everybody watches this. This is great. And now it's like, I, I want to be like you guys. I want to be sitting in the corner and, and be in the <laughs> Mystery Science Theater laughing you know, at it. Because it is. It's kind of ridiculous in retrospect. But when you're growing up with it, it's... Uh, well, honestly, everything. it's yeah. like I'm kind of jealous of that because like I was thinking like, why didn't I watch wrestling? Because it's like basically like real life superheroes. It's like they got the totally. costumes. They got Very everything. Much. They got their sticks. It's like... One like of them what? literally was a superhero for his gimmick. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah. but it's like <laughs> I was. I, I, I remember I wasn't allowed to watch it. So yeah. it's like my only thing was like oh, watching man, like I'm Hulk so Hogan movies, like Sur- Suburban <laughs> Commando or yes. something like that. And like the my friends had the wrestling buddies and all that stuff. So that's like my only exposure to it. But it's like oh, I'm kind of jealous I'm that so I never sorry. got into it. Yeah, and it's kind of weird if I get into it now. It's very weird if you yeah. get into it now. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Well, so we'll uh, let's kind of just take it from the beginning. Like how? Like when did you start getting into wrestling? Like what got you into it? Like my first formative memories of watching television were watching it was wrestling. Oh yeah. Like my I'm, I had a single mom and um, so and I was an only child, so I'm like a boy, and I think she kind of thought you know like well this is what boys are into is like they like you know this you know whatever fights and stuff. So she would throw on like Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant and all that kind of stuff when I was super little. Um, like probably like three or four, like I barely remember. And, um, and I kind of watched, you know, kind of, it was kind of like, you know, it was always on or whenever my, you know, my mom, I guess kind of enjoyed it. And so she would, we would watch it together and, um, you know, I would do the, the whole thing jumping off the couches and, you know, strangling my, yeah. you know, my toys and things. Um, well, how old do you think you were when you did your first choke slam? <laughs> <laughs> There's a certain amount of strength That's you true. need to get the elevation yeah, required yeah. for that. So. so. We, yeah, so you know, there was a big controversy with Power Rangers and Ninja Turtles, where it's like, is this making kids fight more or whatever? Which I always thought was stupid. However, having been oh, a, totally a kid who that. watched wrestling, that without question influences you to want to jump off your couch, jump off your bed, or on your bed, or body slam your baby sister, or what, or cat, or whatever totally. you have. That's a good thing I didn't like, have a baby sister. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, my brother body slammed me all the time. I had a big brother who always would try to power bomb me on the couch and stuff, and I let him because uh, I'm small. But, I know there's a lot of like freak accidents that I remember yeah, hearing about. Yeah, and, and it stuff. happens all the time. Yeah, and so like your mom was probably was right on point with not letting you watch but, it. I mean, there's a lot of other things that are pro- you know probably similarly violent, like the Ninja Turtles, the, you know, nunchucks and all this. stuff. I mean, you could you could you know having been having been a fan of both things though, I feel like wrestling way more influenced. Yeah, me. you're for right. whatever reason, just seeing totally. real humans do it was like, oh, this, and they make it look so easy and effortless and yeah. like, it doesn't look painful. And yep. even though they, because they're so, such bad actors, I guess it doesn't look painful, but it's just like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's, uh, it's cause they punch each other like 90 times over the course <laughs> of like, you know, 10 yeah. minutes. Yeah. If you did that to someone and made contact in real life, which we now know because of like UFC and stuff, mm-hmm. it's like a completely different, oh, yeah. you know, re- result. This may be jumping ahead. Did either of you do like the backyard wrestling kind of thing? Did y'all ever get no. involved? In oh, that I always at wanted all? to, but I, no. I mean, that was, I'm not not to the point where like putting up barbed wire and slamming people through through tables or anything. Not that I didn't want to. I just didn't have the courage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we weren't. We weren't. Our our my my uh, my you know friend group wasn't wasn't the rough and tumble physicality kind of friend group. Well, so what do you what did you say, Joe? And I know I got this. All the time, and I kind of had to stand up for myself a little bit. Being watching wrestling, like, yeah. what did you say to people that said, "You know, wrestling's fake, right?" Um. Well, I th- I, that my I think my response changed over the years because when when I started watching it when I was really little, we didn't know the difference, right? And then I grew up with it, and we'll probably get into this more. But in the '90s, they really started blurring the line between what was real and what was seemingly planned. Yeah, and so I I actually I. I didn't know a hundred percent for, I was like 80 or 90% sure it was fake, <laughs> but like there was that little 10% that I could, I, I just like, man, I could have sworn that seemed pretty real. So I don't know. I didn't really like have to yeah. argue with a lot of people because I don't, you know, I don't think there was a lot of, I don't know. It didn't seem like the argument was that. Well, I feel like, especially when I like hit high school and I was still watching it, I had to have that. See, I didn't. Ad- that's response. the thing is, I didn't advertise it. Like yeah. you know, when, by the time I hit high school, like you yeah. know, I I I had my like two or three. Kind of like we're doing right now, where it's like, okay, 
or not right now, but I mean, once in a while, you and me, Corey, at work, we'll just kind of like talk a little bit about it. Yeah. And um, and that was, you know, for me, like at, in high school, I had a couple buddies who were like really into it. And then everybody else, you know, like I, I've got to maintain like my social standing. Did y'all have like <laughs> so the gonna... NWO shirts or anything oh, like I did. that? I, uh, I didn't know. I wasn't. That's a WCW uh, okay. thing. I was a WWF guy. Okay. It's a big difference. I did have an Austin 316 T-shirt that I was very proud to wear <laughs> at one point. Um, I think I was I was Stone Cold Steve Austin for like three years in a row for Halloween. Um so wait, well, well, once we'll get into that in a second. Yep. Just real quick, I, what, kind of what I wanted to say was like leading that question is like people are like, why, why you watch wrestling? It's fake. Yeah. Or whatever. yeah My yeah. response is, every TV show you watch is fake. Like well, there's no difference. Totally. It is. There are actors on a screen and they're doing a choreographed dance. I mean, it's like you, people watch shows just like it all the time, but it has this bad rap because they used to promote promote themselves as being real. Yeah. But kind of once the curtain was drawn back and Vince McMahon was like, you know what, this is, it just came out and embraced it. It was, it, it's like, it's okay. It's no secret anymore, guys. Like this is a fake, sh- fake thing, but like, yeah, it's a show. It's a TV show. So, yeah. Uh, I, the thing I would say, because at the time it's like, oh, you watch Friends, right? Did you, did you know that's fake? Like no. that was that was the line that you're <laughs> that, that would be the line you that you watch friends. Yeah, no, yeah. that's because yeah. I feel like I mean I was definitely the person that was like it's fake, <laughs> but like in the reading, even just in the last couple of days, I'm like, oh, actually, a lot of it from an, a pain perspective was oh, actually sure. very real. And oh like, yeah, it was actually just choreographed. Like a lot of it really yeah. was just an, or whatever you would say that. I guess you can say choreographed. Yeah, choreographed, yeah, no, Joe whatever you want. But like <laughs> uh, But I feel like in a sense, there's like a lot of planning, but a lot of improvisation at the same time. But there was like, anyways, I yeah. learned a lot. It's an art form. It, it is. really is. And yeah. and yeah, once you learn more about it, you realize how much like pain they actually go through. Like they get concussions like crazy. They get, you know, oh, yeah. all the bumps and bruises. Just look at it, look, watch any Mick Foley wrestling match and you oh, see man, the yeah. kind of bumps that he takes. Um, and it's, I mean, it's, yeah, it's pre-cut tables. Um, but those ta- the tacks that he falls on are real. The fire is real. Yeah. Like the barbed wire is real. Uh, so they still and you cut can't. I mean, you up. can't fake falling. You know, sixteen feet through right. an announce table. Exactly. Yeah. Like there's only that happened in a very specific year. But I feel like we're gonna get to that. <laughs> that for sure. Yeah. So anyway, so let's kind of back it up a little bit. Um, so you said you 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 watched it pretty consistently from like childhood on. Yeah. Right. So, but you were were you loyally WWF? You didn't go totally. into any hundred percent. That's that's interesting. So, so what was your reasoning for that? Because I don't know if or I have WWF context. Rather. Like I don't know um, if I have context. So, yeah, yeah, go into the difference because I don't really understand the like kind of two parties there. So there was there was the uh, there was the WWF which started with Vince McMahon Senior. Actually, it was called WWWF, and then um, Vince McMahon Junior, who's the current Vince McMahon that everybody kind of knows. I say everybody who watches wrestling knows. Yeah. Um, and they started WWF, and WWF um, was the big thing with Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant and all the the names, the the guys that people remember from like the eighties. WrestleMania, yeah. Yeah, yeah, WrestleMania. That's all WWF. Right. Um, now WWE, and um, Ted Turner saw the commercial potential of re- pro wrestling and decided he would start his own wrestling company and so he started world championship wrestling here in atlanta georgia wcw was um a rival company and it kind of started kind of small and then um wwf started the show called monday night raw which um you know kind of started to gain success on cable yeah and then ww uh, sorry wcw started another show called nitro that 
basically became equally popular. And right then they too. started this whole thing, which are now referred to as the Monday Night Wars, where WCW and WWF were competing on Mondays. And it was, I mean, it was huge. The it ratings was, were wow. insane. It was, uh, yeah. And this was like, this is like an example of just capitalism working so well for is the consumer. Is it like DC and Marvel kind of yes, a thing? It was, it's exactly like and DC and Marvel. Like the WCW would just do these things. Like Raw was pre-taped. So like it was not live at all. So WCW is like, all right, we're going to do a Pre-taped live. in front of a live audience. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and WCW is like, hey, we'll do a live three-hour show instead of a pre-taped one-hour, two-hour show. So whatever happened, happened. And then, yeah, yeah. They, they broadcasted it live, and that was a draw. And then they also, I mean, he spent big bucks to get guys to cross, basically cross the line to go from w, the outcast from WWF to go into WCW. One Ted the, Turner had the big money. I mean, they, they were guys who were getting paid, you know, whatever, like a hundred grand or something at WWF. They'd go over to WCW and get like a minimum of two million guaranteed or whatever. So like they were, you know, they were coming That's in so much money. Yeah, yeah, seriously, <laughs> That's crazy. And they were and they were bringing in celebrity. WCW was d- pulling wow. out all the stuff. They had Dennis Rodman, Count Jay Conan, Leno, Jay Leno, <laughs> yeah, uh, David Arquette. <laughs> oh no, that was the end of that was the end of everything. Okay, so which this is a <laughs> random tangent. Uh, what is that one scene with Donald Trump in it? Where where did that? Oh happen? yeah, <laughs> that's actually he was somewhat more recent. Actually, oh. like surprisingly, that was yeah. in oh I want to say like oh three maybe oh, it was wow. early two thousands. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, he um yeah he did a little stunt uh, battle of the billionaires, him versus Vince McMahon. That was after WCW didn't exist anymore, by the way. Oh, yeah, yeah. it was like hair versus Explosion. hair match where they, he shaved yeah. Vince McMahon's hair. It was it was they had two wrestlers who nobody even remembers their names anymore, but they they had to fight and and Donald Trump was in one corner and Vince McMahon was in the other corner, and one of them was going to have to have their head shaved if their guy lost, and of course it wasn't going to be Donald Trump, so Vince's guy lost and. Donald Trump got to shave Vince McMahon's hair and in the process punched a few people and I think they later superimposed CNN on it or whatever. Yeah, that that got some controversy there for sure. Yeah, my my background is I was into WWF at a very, very early age because my brother was into it. So this is like late 80s. My favorite wrestler was Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Um, Oh, yeah. He had a big... uh, That big... uh, A two-by-four. Two-by-four, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, but we kind of fell off just you know, I, for whatever reason and didn't get yeah. back into it until the Monday Night Wars came around. Yeah. And that's yeah. what that's got us back into back. it is because that's when it got super interesting. Yeah. And what happened with the Monday Night Wars was like WC, guys in uh, WCW were trying to troll WWF. Like they were, wasn't yeah. like they were going to try to like crack gate crash WWF events and yeah. and vice versa eventually like well, yeah, they, they'd have their guys, you know, who in WWF, you know, early on, it's like they were, you know, they, they'd have, they still had like the pink tights and the, you know, and the yellow vests and that kind of stuff. And then they would go over to WCW and they'd show up in plain clothes and walk through the crowd. Yeah. So like they would, they would, you know, their debut in WCW would be like coming out and being like, hey, I'm this normal guy, you know, and here's my real name. And they'd give their real name and be like, and they just start talking about how much WWF is terrible and, you know, all this stuff. And they just went for it. And mm-hmm. so like the whole competition thing got into this really like real real feeling place where like even if you thought at one point like it was choreographed and staged and whatever like you know there was so much reality in what they were saying like their actual feelings their real oh yeah yeah that kind of stuff yeah yeah. and it's like to this day like you just read things about that what happened then is like there was actual bad blood between the two organizations and the wrestlers who were disgruntled disgruntled from wwf like were really 
like i mean the, the, a lot of the gate crashing and stuff that was all real like, yeah, like stuff that was did. not planned in, in that sense yeah like they did they, not no. work in cahoots with each other Whoa. they were very clear competitors yeah and so yeah it was just the realness coming out that was really like i remember what, like when there was this whole thing and it's it's a whole nother told deep dive story of this um that's um Brett, Brett the Hitman Hart oh, yeah. um, had there's this thing if you ever Google it it's called the Montreal Screwjob is how it's like kind of referred to and uh, he was gonna um, he had gotten a contract with WCW he was in the WWF at the time he'd gotten a contract with WCW and he um, uh, he had to like for storyline purposes he was supposed to lose the title um, is what Vince McMahon wanted him to lose the title in his hometown in his final match ever in the WWF. So lose the title to this other guy named Shawn Michaels. And he didn't want to do it because he wanted to keep his pride. And he was like, hey, just let me let me retain and win the t- and be the winner in my hometown in my final match. And I will forfeit the next night. Like I will forfeit the title and say and just be honest with the people. And this is what I'm going to do. But Vince McMahon wouldn't have any of that. So in a real life turn of events, Vince um, uh, like came out to ringside during the match and basically you know nodded at the referee and then uh gestured at the timekeeper the guy who rings the bell and they just like you know uh this move thing anyway long story yeah but um brett, brett, brett hart, gets screwed out of the yeah, title yeah Shawn michaels put brett hart into a submission and basically vince had the referee ring the bell as if he tapped out uh, but he and, didn't and, and it wasn't and, planned for him to tap out yeah and that wasn't the plan at all so like and, and that this was is a real a, life thing. That, that was happened. a real like, thing that happened. Yeah. So so all of that happened. And so like you know he he he's going over to WCW and it's like the last the last minutes of Bret Hart's career in WWF were like him throwing monitors around and like just tearing apart like throwing chairs just furious. And this is live on pay per view. Like people are watching him have like this major temper tantrum. He looks at the camera like right at the camera and draws a WCW with his hands. Like he just and it's I mean it was really really just intense yeah. stuff. So while you've been telling the story, I've Googled it and like almost watched what you were describing frame for frame. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is crazy. It's one of the most recounted stories yeah. in professional wrestling oh lore. God. It was huge. Um, it's been, and, it, and it's been like resurrected in, in storylines and, you know, after. Like it was, you know, yeah. used. It actually spun off. The, Vince McMahon became a caricature of himself that we, they would refer to as Mr. McMahon. Mm-hmm. Um, and he would do this kind of thing with other people. Yeah. But it was after it, something happened that was real. Okay, so that's maybe where I've like caught glimmers of wrestling is I've watched like Mr. McMahon come out there and basically like play this character where he's obviously contrived over the top, like very exaggerated. But prior to this event, he was actually like a legitimate he was just the owner of the company, oh, and he would be he like was a, a ringside announcer. announcer. Yeah, okay. like, the, the crowd, the the wow. audience at home had no idea that he was the actual like the CEO of the company. Okay, he was just another announcer. He's, yeah. he's a good announcer. So yeah, yeah, he tried to kind of keep a low profile until that moment, and that that was. Um, I mean, it, that combined with what was going on with WCW, like they, WCW was so innovative in the things that they did and just really embraced the Gen X culture at the time of just rebellious, totally. like completely stick it to the man kind of culture. That's when, you know, the the, tur- the turning point for WCW was when they signed, you know, first of all, they signed Hulk Hogan which was huge. And Hulk Hogan left WWF because Vince McMahon kind of threw him under the bet bus and steroid trials and stuff like that. But they signed Hulk Hogan and he was a huge draw. But the big, the turning point was, um, I mean, you guys have heard of the NWO, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, They decided to have Hulk Hogan do a heel turn, which basically means he's a bad guy now. Uh, and which is like unheard. I mean, that was like, you know, sacrilege. So when they, so 
I, yeah. I, I, I'm like debating whether or not to nerd about nerd out about this story, but like this is so like they were was it Bash at, Bash the, at beach? the Beach? Yeah. So they go were, ahead, go for it. Okay, so <laughs> Kevin Kevin Nash and Scott Hall they were known as Diesel and Razor Ramon at WWF, and they were these were two huge guys that WCW got to just pull from WWF at the same time. At the same time, and they came in and um, basically basically came in as just super villains like basically think of the joker in the dark knight they were just there to cause chaos and that so yeah. they did that all throughout wcw what year was this so 96 yeah okay. maybe 96 97 something like that um and it was a really interesting storyline because they came in and they they turned against like they they would beat up good guys in wcw they would beat up bad guys in wcw and it kind of turned into like all of wcw against these two guys and they started the nwo which is called the new world order and they kept teasing out like hey we have a third member that is you know none of you guys know who it is but with one of your own is turning against you and they really dragged it out and, and played it out and nobody could people were pointing fingers and all this stuff it's like is it this person is it that person um and they did this actually a few times but um i think this is the first time and then there was a match and it was it was a tag team match right it was the hulk outsiders Hogan. so it was hulk there Hogan. it is the outsiders yeah that was kevin nash and Scott Hall. Here for you. Um, <laughs> it was Hulk Hogan and Macho Man, right? Or no, was it just Macho Man? I don't remember who was it a Macho Man was. match? Either way, something uh, something happened where there was kind of like a brawl at the end of the match where the Outsiders were doing their normal thing and interrupting the match and just beating the crap out of you know the good guys. And Hulk Hogan comes in to save the day. You know, red and yellow. All I'm a real American. Eat your vitamins. Say your prayers. Kind of thing. He goes in and he chases them out of the ring and Macho Man's laying at the bottom of the ring and he just turns around and gives him a leg drop, which yeah, is a signature like move. Yeah, straight out of the game. Just out of nowhere. <laughs> throws the referee and out of the <laughs> the, <laughs> the reaction of the crowd is just like utter shock. Kids yeah. are crying and like kids are crying. Their hero has just turned on. Like this was out of nowhere. This was unheard of, unprecedented. Nobody would have thought Hulk Hogan would turn bad. So you know immediately this is the guy that they were talking yes. about that's going to turn on. Yeah, and this is like the last guy anybody would have thought. And like he beats him up and the, he joins the, the the outsiders in the ring and they spray paint NWO on his back and uh that starts the new world order and that becomes like just a massive massive deal and i think that really was a turning point for wcw oh my gosh yeah and as soon as that happened they were starting to take over in their ratings real quick because wwf was still going with their earlier formula caricatures these like you know stupid characters um i can't even think of one off the top of my head now like the dentist from isaac H from dds yeah yeah <laughs> um so they were and they were they still weren't live and so wcw forced them to really just go live and then they so wwf eventually rebranded themselves embraced the attitude era which is what it's now known as and then had guys like stone cold steve austin who beats up his boss and flips everybody off become a huge superstar degeneration x with triple h and i mean we could go on and on but yeah how do you feel like from there it got to where 1998 the undertaker threw mankind off hell in a cell (laughs) (laughs) how do you feel like that 
built that place? Because was there Hell in a Cell before 1998, or was that like only? <laughs> is that a special thing that came out? I just then? love. <clears throat> there's there's this this little tiny inside joke on Reddit that for whatever reason I don't know, but I but Colin has got onto it, and I've seen other was. people start this, where uh, they start. Um, just and this is currently like people and you'll, you'll kind of start get, reading like a really um, poignant comment about something and, uh, and it'll seem really inspiring and it just kind of drags on it's maybe one sentence too long and then you get down to the very bottom and and right as you're kind of you're about to bring home this really really important comment it says in 19, uh, but I don't want you to distract you from the fact that in 1998 the Undertaker threw mankind off hell in a cell and then plummeted 16 feet through an announcer's table <laughs> <laughs> it's such a small like petty joy to read that at the end of somebody's comment yeah. to realize they went all the effort to write all this meaningless fluff just to get <laughs> to that and Colin has been doing that on every single Instagram post I have put on the internet in the like probably for the past like it's maybe six months, months at yeah. least <laughs> for sure it's anytime I post anything I on the internet Colin is the first comment and uh, and writes something really sweet about my family because it's always pictures of my, my young girls or whatever, and then he will somehow weave that into the end. And I'm just I'm so, so Colin, honored. do you know the story behind that event? Uh, uh, so in my months of doing this, uh, okay. to, to it, I mean, with Joe, yeah. <laughs> uh, I've learned a lot about it, but I would love your guys' take on it if you're willing to share it as far as like how... I mean, do you remember that moment specifically? Oh my gosh, or like, yeah. were I was you guys watching, watching it? I was watching okay. live on pay-per-view. I actually, I'm, yeah, I wasn't watching it, but I remember. That was the novelty. Again, like you, yeah. you were saying, you know, because they were they were taping their Monday shows, and a lot of us kind of knew that, but it was still this live. It still felt real and live, but their pay-per-views were 100% live. So, you know, there may have been, for all I know, a little tape delay thing where, you know, five minutes of something terrible happens, um, which I think they had to use once, and that's a whole other story. But mm. um, <laughs> uh, it's really sad. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh yeah, the, that whole thing in 98, like I was watching that and I actually, like I was a big, and you mentioned Stone Cold Steve Austin, I was a big Stone Cold fan. Yeah. And so he had a match that night that I don't even remember what it was. Like it didn't even, it didn't matter. It didn't end up mattering. <laughs> like yeah. it was just some, some, you know, big championship match. And so, I, you know, I, my mom was so gracious to like, yeah, sure. We can spend whatever $50 on this event. Um, and, uh, Wish my parents were like that. <laughs> yeah. My mom was really, really nice about it. So, um, yeah, so I, I remember sitting there, we're kind of watching, and like, you know, we, we had ordered pizza, and we just, re, you know, we're sitting down, um, kind of like, just getting ready for the main event, and it's like, oh, Undertaker, Mankind, oh, they're doing that thing in the in the, in the, in the cell, that big, uh, that, and that was a new thing, yeah. the cell, Hell in a Cell contraption. Yeah. Um, well, so Hell in a Cell is basically, so you, you know what a cage match is, right? They surround the ring with a, with a fence yeah. that you have to climb over a the top to win. Yeah. So this was a cage match on steroids where the objective is not to get out, out of the ring. It's just the entire ring and the floor beside it is enclosed in a like four wall and with a ceiling cage. It's like a, more like a chain link kind of. Yeah, chain link and it's like two stories tall. So so yeah so it's this massive this massive cage thing and um and uh mankind um who is, who was he, you know it's it's another one of those characters like both the undertaker and mankind are probably the last like big like character characters that that lingered in the you know in the w well they like had a few other gimmicky kind of things yeah yes. where it's yeah. like oh that's definitely not a, a dead person like he's called <laughs> yeah. the undertaker and he's returned from the dead really <laughs> but there have been you know, i mean throughout his entire career where he would have a buried alive match and he would die 
And yeah, he'd then, literally but, be buried alive, and it's like a person can't. Li- I mean, yeah, and, but then he would always come back. Was yeah. Sting relevant at this point? Because I feel like he was like WCW, he came in. He was kind of the anti Undertaker. Like yeah, he kind of came out in WCW, um, and he he actually was. I mean, he was like a popular wrestler before, and he had the face paint and all this stuff. And then one day, I guess they somebody watched The Crow and decided he should be look, <laughs> like The Crow, and so he you know he would come out with a baseball bat and a big trench coat, and he you know all his face paint was super was white, and he would like hang out of the rafters an owl you know and um so like that was kind of his thing um but that was after i mean the undertaker was already had was already kind of like a staple uh, you know in in wwf and always i mean still you know almost to this day is like a a staple character Uh, but anyway there's two characters but mankind who um his real name is mick foley had been through other organizations prior to WWF and um, like through uh, another company called ECW, which is Extreme Championship Wrestling, which uh, had a much l- smaller following, but a much more like rabid fan base where, you yeah. know, they had, they did a lot of super and truly extreme things. Yeah. Where, like we're talking about uh, the thumbtacks. Yeah. The, it was like backyard wrestling. Like there's just, uh, so many tables, like so many improv- flaming tables okay. and barbed yeah, wire. It was like, and oh, and tacks. there's C4 on the table. And so yeah. like guy gets, and literally there's explosions in the ring, like <laughs> blood everywhere. Just, just <laughs> kind of atrocious like gore that you're like I don't this I, like unless you were really really into violence yeah, it's you like know the Tarantino of wrestling yeah yeah it's a great well way it, it shouldn't surprise you that it started in Philadelphia uh, yeah yeah <laughs> born and raised yeah. um and so, yeah so mankind was a veteran of of these really extreme places so like he kind of already had a little bit of a reputation for doing some crazy stuff like he would you know he would take what they call it would they call it a bump when a wrestler um you know like f- you know does something really anytime they fall to the, fall, to the yeah. mat you know or whatever it, it's it's a bump which it's you know it's there's a little bit of like a little bit of pain that they absorb a little bit of risk um and you know some bumps are bigger than others if you fall off of the top rope you know maybe that's a little bit more painful if you fall onto concrete that's a little bit more painful you know it's a bigger bump or whatever and so um so mankind was sort of like you know he was you know everybody knew he was crazy enough to maybe do a couple weird things but i don't think anybody was prepared for what they actually did yeah. which um they like the basically the match starts there's this this cell which is 16 feet high they don't really ever tell you how high it is they just tell you it's 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 so it's so high it's like this massive cell and you know and eventually um you know they uh, the very beginning of the match the undertaker and mankind immediately start climbing to the top of it <laughs> rather than getting inside of it which they're supposed to do because that's where the ring is and that's where they're supposed to wrestle they that's both start climbing up to the top and um and you can you can even hear the t- commentators because you'd find out later like they actually didn't know what the plan was for this so their reactions are like ju- very genuine so if you ever go back and you want to hear we some of the it best, earlier today Wes hadn't oh, watched oh, it man, some of the most broken in half yeah that's Jim Ross yeah, some of the JR's. most iconic like wrestle wrestling commentary you've ever heard um, came out of that um, came out of that oh, match yeah yeah. yeah 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 so sorry no go ahead well I was just gonna say Jim Ross like literally goes at one point mankind is dead <laughs> 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 which is like my favorite <laughs> my favorite wrestling call of well, all said, time oh he my says gosh. good god they killed him uh. as god is my witness he is broken in half uh, yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> like 
a hundred percent certainty, just so you know. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, they climbed up to the top, and then yeah, the under like they just you know they're kind of wobbling and like what's about to happen, and they walk all the way over to the announce table, and of course, so they they would always have they'd have the Spanish announce table and the uh, the English announce table. Spanish one always went first. Spanish table was always going to get demolished. If you saw two <laughs> tables next to each other, you knew like okay, there's gonna something's gonna happen tonight, and they're gonna destroy that Spanish speaking table. <laughs> Those guys were good sports. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, The Undertaker just kind of like grabs mankind and throws him off the cage. And, you know, so J- Jim Ross re- reacts and everybody's having a heart attack. Oh, my gosh, we've killed him. You know, he's he's broken in half. And uh, and then there's then they're talking about the height of they're like, that must have been 30 or 40. I mean, like, you know, you you put the cage there. But that must be 30 or 40 feet. Like, who, who could ever know? <laughs> you know, if only we had schematics. Only, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, but yeah no that was uh, that was a big moment and th- and it was super shocking not only was that shocking but then what happened afterwards was even more shocking because mankind w- I mean that was a legitimate like major fall mm. that was you know could have been extreme it could have been life threatening and so they put him on a stretcher the Undertaker is standing on top of the cage clearly you know he's kind of in in character like still kind of like serious like I'm gonna beat you up but I probably killed you so he the <laughs> real his real like you know you can tell the wheels are turning like oh. Gosh, like what have I done? Kind of thing. But he's just standing there, you know, kind of, you know, quietly. And um, and then uh, so they start carting off Mick Foley, and it's like, wow, that was it, man. That was you know, end of the career or whatever. And all of a sudden, he, you know, you see from a pile of doctors and medics or whatever who are carting him away, him just like barreling through, like past them on his way back to the ring. (laughs) And Jim Ross is shouting like, no, no, Mick, no, like don't do this, like what's. And so he runs, not only does he run over to the ring, he, the Undertaker's still on the top. Mick Foley starts climbing again, and he goes all the way up to the very top again. And so it's like this whole like insane, you know, ins- it's inspirational in a way, because you're like, <laughs> like, wow, this is like such dedication. He gets up to the top, and the Undertaker goes for a choke slam and chokes. It's the idea was he's supposed to choke slam him onto the top, just a normal like kind of you know onto the top of the the cage. But the cage gave way, which was unplanned, and so mankind barreled all the way straight through through, through the the cage down into the ring, which evidently was a more painful, damaging fall. Yeah, unplanned. I'm sure it so. was. It, but yeah, unplanned. So he you know and and it wasn't like even with an announce table, there's multiple layers to it. So it kind of you know it, there's there's more give, but the the ring, you know, even though it has shock absorbers and all that yeah. kind of stuff, I mean, it, it is a, you know, it's a flat. It's all hers to fall on. Yeah. 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 So he dislocated his shoulders. Uh, Both uh, of them? No, sorry. One of his shoulders and, uh, and like, one of his teeth, like, flew out of his oh my God. out of his mouth and was, like, lodged in his nose. Like, this is all real yeah. life what? things that you you're looking at. You can see that at. on the replay. Like, it, you, like, they show a close-up and you can see the tooth in his nose. And uh, then he's laying there, uh, you know, bloodied and he's a mess. Undertaker comes down and they... They're clearly playing this cat and mouse game where, like, Undertaker's trying to figure out how far, how much farther do I go? You know, have I killed him? But we keep doing this match. And so then Mankind goes and and somehow finds under the ring, like, a bag full of thumbtacks and then just, like, puts all the thumbtacks on. And then he gets choke slammed under the thumbtacks, like, twice or whatever. I mean, just, he's got thumbtacks in his back. And I mean, it is just, it was a kind of a gory scene. um, But just to kind of see him continuing to go at it was, um, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's memorable. Uh, yeah, Mick Foley. I mean, you guys have heard of Mick Foley, right? I mean, he's yep. gotten kind of popular just since then, and just that was the that was what he was known for. I mean, he would take any bump 
just like he would just throw just treat his body so poorly he walks like an old man now i mean it's it's clear but he's like the nicest guy in the world he's a yeah. total sweetheart of a, yeah. of a guy and he's had so many concussions um yeah and there was, there was a a match he had with the rock where the rock hit him in the head with a chair like eight times or something like that yeah which was made famous by a documentary that was being filmed oh, at the time yeah. called beyond the mat beyond the where mat. they had the camera on his kids and wife as he was getting hit in the head with the chair eight yeah. times and see, like seeing the horror as they were sitting there ringside watching legitimate him. horror i mean but like it, it's crazy and he writes in his book that he just he didn't know the match was going to go that way and it just went that way and so he, he wouldn't have had his family there to watch it if he yeah. knew but that anyway that's just like so people are like, oh, wrestling's fake or whatever. It's just like, it, it's it's scripted, yeah. But like, it so many epic things can happen. It's super entertaining if you can stomach the ridiculous. And I don't think they do that stuff anymore. No, like they don't, they yeah, can't even bleed anymore. Yeah, uh, the, they're not the way, allowed to bleed. They've, they've made it really G-rated, which they, it's kind of interesting because it's gone back full circle. Like the 80s was super wholesome and family friendly. Yeah. 90s was the Attitude Era and all of the flipping people off and chugging beer. And then now it's gone back to like the more wholesome family stuff, which is interesting just how culture shifts. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was like the trend of advertisers. I mean, it was okay. Like everybody was listening to, you know, Limp Bizkit and Kid Rock and Eminem and stuff, (laughs) you know, during that same time and Marilyn Manson and, you know, whatever else, you know, Mm -hmm. so it was just this, you know, cussing and whatever was like, that was what was cool. And so that's what they were doing. So we've gone like super over time than what we usually do, but I'm totally fine with this because I think it's like an interesting uh, conversation. I have some like quick questions for you. Yeah, just like sure. so, like who's your favorite wrestler of all time? Stone Cold Steve Austin. So you've just have so. Oh my gosh! Why is Stone no Cold exceptions. Your... No, with no exceptions. Yeah. Um. Oh, well, okay. So there's there's multiple reasons why. So um, his um. First of all, I love the the idea that he was this no nonsense kind of character. Basically, he's this guy, you know, who just you know black trunks and black boots and didn't have any sort of, per, you know, perceivable gimmick. His gimmick was that he didn't have a gimmick, and um, you know, and, and you know, there's all this anti-authority stuff. And um, but the biggest thing about him was, um, well, one, he he was really good talker. And, you know, he was very entertaining. But also his theme music. Mm-hmm. is like I mean that is like a drug like the, the his <laughs> theme music all these guys have music so that's one of the things well, about pro the wrestling it's like I know that's kind of a niche thing but uh, the theme songs were like a big thing oh they would have, like, yeah CDs and stuff right? this guy named Jim Johnston who used to do he was a composer who would compose all their like all of their music is an absolute genius and I mean just these the broad range of characters mm-hmm. you know but like Stone Cold Steve Austin's song um, it started with this massive like glass break sound effect, like the most violent glass breaking sound effect you've ever heard. And it was such an element of surprise kind of thing. Like, and so they would, you know, it was like this, this is actually what got me into like kind of production and stuff was watching Stone Cold enter an arena because they would, they would, you know, they, it would be like some little surprise where they would, you know, there's another match happening and, you know, whatever. And all of a sudden it's like, push and the glass would break and the crowd would just go insane. Like you've never seen, I mean, it's like, you know, Hail Mary pass, you know, touchdown, super like, you know, just taking the loudest crowd mm-hmm. reaction you could possibly imagine and it would happen in like a quarter of a second. Like yeah. they would hear the sound and instantly recognize was, what's happening. And it was just, oh my gosh, yeah. it was epic. It was like ge- I lived genius. for those moments. Yeah, like, it was genius because, okay, so like Hulk Hogan kind of, I, I, I think he started it. I think Hulk Hogan started yeah. it with the entrance music. 
because uh, he came out of the Eye of the Tiger, I think, the first, because he went. He was in the Rocky movie. Yep. Um, and that caught on, and so that was kind of the first wave. But then once Stone Cold came, like once that glass shatter thing be- like became a thing, they s- then started manipulating other wrestlers' entrances to have that pop, whatever that is. So like with yep. The Rock, they would just have it kick off, if you smell, and then yep. that would, if you hear that, you know he's coming. It's just like whatever that punch was. Yeah. Like, and then they, they kind of had that for most wrestlers' entrances, most uh, big ones. So You don't anyway. bury the lead. I mean, it was like, yeah. boom, like, yeah. here it is. It Everything, like punch. you know. Um, yeah, I remember Kane had this big lead in, like with Oregon music, and then Fire Pyrotechnics. They just cut it straight to the fire. Uh, like when he, when they didn't he, want to yeah. make it dramatic about it. It was all about yeah, like, the yeah. shock of it. Yeah, yeah. So. which is and so. As, yeah. So that's another thing about wrestling. If you go to a live event, you will be entertained, even if you know nothing about wrestling. Yeah, totally. They put on such a great show that, like, with the pyrotechnics, with the music, it's it's really fun. It's really fun. Yeah. I mean, this alone, I've been very entertained. Sure. <laughs> uh, yeah. Have you? Have either of you guys actually ever been to an actual wrestling Multiple. event? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Many, many. Totally. Yeah. Really? Uh-huh. Yeah. I think I went to a total of, I think I counted to ten events, including pay per views. Wow. And I haven't been to that many. Really? Yeah. I went to. Well, I lived in Hawaii, so there uh, were yeah. the, the opportunities were were more scant. But we would come. You know, we came up to. Uh, you know, Massachusetts, I got to see a house show at the Fleet Center. Nice. It would no longer... A house show just, is just a show with no TV, okay. no, no cameras or anything. It was just for the people that are there kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. It was wow. just... I need to get ticket sales, so that's another way for them to get money without having to, like, you know, wait until the next gotcha. week. yeah. So. Just, like, in between bigger shows, in, almost in a certain sense. Yeah, but you'd get, you know, a lot of the same guys, you know, who'd still come out, and they just basically kind of have fun. Like, I mean, they're doing the same, sh- you know, match, but it doesn't... You know, there's not a, you know... They're not advancing the story or anything like that, but so. Um, but um, then I went to WrestleMania 20 and then WrestleMania 27, which is actually way more recent, which was oh, here. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, like I wanted to take Heather to a WrestleMania just one day, just because I like I want her to experience. Oh, you don't want to deal with the conversations after though, <laughs> like because yeah, my my wife Miranda um, is super sweet and so gracious to come with me um, to WrestleMania 27 um, at the Georgia Dome. And uh, and now, like, no matter, you know, it can, it, you know, whatever she's asking for, it can always come back to, hey, remember that time when you took me to WrestleMania? <laughs> so, but she yeah. didn't, did she not enjoy it? No, no, she, en- I think, she, yeah, she enjoyed it, but it's still one of those things that's like, you know, it's it's sweaty and it's a different oh, kind right, of, yeah. you know. Well, it's, it's, a di- it's great people watching, for Yeah, sure. yeah, and it's, you know, and, and by, you know, WrestleMania 27, you know, by that point, we're already grown-ups, you know, mm-hmm. like, it, so it, yeah. it, it's, it had its share of irony by that point, and I was well aware <laughs> of that as well, so. Yeah. That's amazing. If you could see one show, like, in the next six months, what would, who would you hope would be in it? Like, what match do you hope would happen? Like a just oh, a dream man. match, sure. So, present, like, present or past? I feel like they already did that for me. For me, it was okay. So my two favorite wrestlers of all time are Hulk Hogan, just because of the childhood memories that he had with tagged along with that. But then, mm-hmm. and what he did for the, for wrestling, but The Rock as well. And they had a Hulk Hogan yeah. versus The Rock WrestleMania. They did. That was a and, big one, and it was huge. And that that for me was already like that was the dream match. They were, was, yeah, they were both kind of past their prime a little bit. I'm not The Rock were, so much, yeah. but the Hulk Hogan definitely, obviously. But yeah, I mean, it was still awesome. I mean, dream when they match. First yeah. faced each other in the ring, and half the crowd was chanting Rocky, and half of them were chanting Hogan, and. Anyway, sorry, I'll, I can nerd out about that later, but ah. um, that was it for me. I mean, what, what would you? If it, for me, it would be. It's literally any match with Stone Cold Steve Austin, <laughs> and it's and it's not. Again, it's like not because of you know 
it's it's really just because of the entrance and exit. Like it, if that when that music plays and the, the adrenaline of experience, <laughs> <laughs> basically the expe- the the adrenaline of of hearing a crowd react so immediately. Well, he also had the perfect finishing move where it was just yes. a quick kick and then the stunner, which, which was also a surprise. It was kind of like the glass break. Came out it's of the nowhere. same kind of you yep. know, and they and his car- like they would refer to him. You know, kind of like as the rattlesnake, like the Texas rattlesnake. So, like you know, did you, you just kind of never knew, you know. And he was kind of this. He was also strike. he was a bad guy who people liked. So like he never gave up being a bad guy for real. I mean, he wasn't. He never told people to go drink their vitamins and say their prayers. He you know swigged beer and threw middle fingers around. And so you know he would you know if he was beating up a good guy, you know that's fine. You know, like if he's beating up a bad guy, great. But if he's beating up a good guy, great. You know, it didn't matter. Like yeah, everybody just the thought he was awesome. Good guys just kind and bad of like guys. Independently, like you just kind of liked him. No matter yeah, and that was yeah. Like, on his own island. That he was, could do anything. That yeah. was the weird thing about that era, where suddenly the heels, a lot of people, they became the good guys for a lot of people. Like, like that, that line was blurred. A lot of people started lo- lo- loving the NBA and NWO and buying the NWO T-shirts, even though they were the bad guys and and stuff. So yeah, that was some, another thing that was interesting about that era. Um, okay, so before we wrap up, I, I and I kind of tease this out, but you know, again, when we started this podcast, we talk about all these things because they influenced us in our life and in our career. Uh, talk a little bit about number one, what you do, and yeah. then how it was influenced by your love of watching. Pro well, that's yeah. So that's the irony of it. Now I I work for a church. So, <laughs> um, I, yeah, can, it, can't you draw the very strange, ca- obvious, the yeah. connection is obvious. No, um, I, um, and, and I work, um, uh, on the media team, um, at, at, um, at a church and we, um, you know, and I'm a director of post-production. So, um, it's a, uh, you know, I, I deal with a lot with video edits, um, editing video. And, um, I actually went to school for video editing. Um, and I got really what got me interested in it was watching wrestling because they had all these highlight videos they would do, these promo packages they would do that would just whip you into a frenzy at the beginning of the show. That's like, man, you know, I, I've got to, you know, I've got to see this match because all this tension, you know, whatever. And then, um, you know, the same thing with the, you know, the entrances, it's like, okay, you hear the glass break, but then on, you know, they cut to this big wide shot and not only is the guy coming out, but on there, they've got this gigantic screen and there's this highlight video of the guy, you know, basically who you're seeing. And so you've got all these graphics and stuff who, you know, and so like, um, I got really into like what those videos were, like, how do you, how do they, how are they making those videos? Cause that's so exciting to me. And, you know, and this is my only point of reference for like what, you know, the, you know, I have no idea how they make that, but I want to learn. And so, um, so I started, you know, my, my mom got me this ca- this video capture card and I kind of was, you know, before Google, but I was kind of like searching the internet, like, how does this work? And, um, and then I, and I, rec- I started recording Lycos. like every, <laughs> uh, I started recording every, um, WWF show, like all of them. And my, again, my mom super awesome let me um you know she would uh buy these vhs cassettes like in bulk from you know whatever the drugstore and so like i would you know record every single show and then record and i started pulling them in with my capture card and then before i knew it they would like debut a new like entrance video for this guy you know and i could t- you know it's like oh it's i could tell there's a new video up there and so i would watch the video basically frame by frame and then I would go back to my tapes and say, okay, which footage do I have and which footage don't I have? And then I would go <laughs> and I'd wow. find all the footage and in this small, this little uh, program called Microsoft VidEdit um, <laughs> that you could use on Windows 95 or Windows 93 or whatever, um, I started, you know, kind of stringing the clips together and I'd find the theme music online and, you know, whatever pirated and just kind of throw it all together. And I was like, I've replicated, I've done it. 
Like it was like, that was my challenge. Like, I need to, I want to duplicate this video. So I started doing that. And then I found other guys who were also kind of interested in that. And then that kind of snowballed into, um, okay, so we started a website together that was, you know, kind of like, you know, cause th- these videos weren't publicly available. So we would put all these videos together and we post them, you know, online. And it was like this, this nerd subculture. We had thousands and thousands of hits. Like people were coming wow. to download these what videos. What was the name of your It site? was, it started, it was wrestlevideos.com was the first one that we kind of like somebody else had and then we sort of absorbed. Mm-hmm. And then that got shut down for <laughs> copyright violation. <laughs> <laughs> so if you ever, if you ever get to talking to me about copyright. <laughs> I know, you know a lot. It's because I know a lot now about copyright. <laughs> um, and, uh. And so, for whatever reason, we talked ourselves into starting a wrestlevideos com, and so, um, so that came up, and and that was the that was the most po- I mean that was an extremely popular site at the time, and uh, and we had you know and that was my first taste of like leadership and having like we had like our staff which are. This is not staff. It's stupid. It's just a bunch of nerds. Amazing. We had like our staff of like our you know our guys and and you know they were all doing our best to kind of like recreate these these entrance videos, and um and you know. And and so and and then in, in addition to that, um, you know, our, we we also got bored with that because there were only so many entrance videos. So then we started like making our own creative videos. So we would just grab whatever cool rock song and just start piling, you know, clips together and just mashing them together in these little highlights, you know. And and so that was a whole other section of the page that people were, for whatever reason, before YouTube and all of that, it was like I just I want to see video content. And so they would just watch them. Like they did. Just, people just enjoyed downloading these videos, presumably. And if I knew so, about it, um, I totally would have been into that. You Probably, do you, do yeah. you still have these videos? Uh, there's a couple of them that are probably out there on the internet. Okay, I, so I was like, you have to upload these to yes. YouTube like, oh my God. as yeah, soon as possible. <laughs> I'm going to call your mom again tonight and ask her where they all are. <laughs> again? <laughs> call your mom again. <laughs> if um, we find them, we'll link them in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that's that's. I mean, that's how I got into video editing, and then and then we ended up shutting the, the site down because we got a cease and desist letter from the World Wrestling Federation, which is kind of cool. It is, yeah, sure. That, there's some street street cred to yeah, that. What yeah. if they like um, were like no, and then they brought you into the ring, and then you had to fight <laughs> for your videos to be on the internet? Oh my gosh, what could have happened? Be a ladder uh, match. Could, yeah, yeah, the case. Royal Rumble somewhere. Yeah. Um, I don't. No, it came on. It came on the internet, but I could I could find the. Fi- I could probably it's out there. Find, yeah, it's out there probably. Yeah. <laughs> the internet um, has it. That's but, amazing. Uh, I didn't know all that. Yeah, yeah. I've worked so, with you for so many years, and I didn't know all that. Well, that is and, awesome. And I, I, I asked you that question because I, I feel like I was influenced in the same way, not to that extreme, but like <laughs> <Yeah>. the, <laughs> the, the, the videos, the, the video department, I mean, the videos were part of the, the show. Oh for, my gosh, they were the best for Raw. Like just the highlight videos and the graphics and the music they put with it at the time. I was inspired by those videos and yeah. like that absolutely influenced my desire to go into video. I'm a yeah. video producer now for those who don't know. Um, and that is, that is like, I wanted to become an editor and I would take two yeah. VCRs and take, Same take thing, yeah. recorded wrestling videos and try to edit my using two VCRs. So like we're, we're playing on one recording and another stopping and switching out tapes and that whole thing. Um, just because I wanted to be, yeah, an editor for WWF. So. It's a great training ground because you have all of, it's just like doing sports highlights or yeah, whatever, yeah, but, yeah, totally. it's, but it's almost a little bit more fun because with sports highlights, everybody's kind of wearing the same thing and, you know, whatever. Yeah. But like with, you know, with wrestling highlights, these guys are, there's all this different variety of action and Entrances lights. Entrances and, and that kind of stuff. Yeah, and colors and people and, you know, it's just a lot more exciting to look at. Yeah. So, yeah. So, 
uh, I don't know if, how enlightening this has been to everyone else. Very but enlightening. How about, <laughs> about Colin I'll and speak Wes. for everyone. Very yeah. enlightening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. Um, thanks for coming in, Joe. Oh, uh, no, thanks for so, having me. This has been thoroughly embarrassing. And, so. and if... <laughs> <laughs> If you're listening and you and you've listened to this whole thing and you haven't been into wrestling, I hope you at least gathered something from it. Justin, I personally, I just find it like I, I'm a big proponent in embracing the things that are, are guilty pleasures that we were nerdy totally. about back then. Obviously, because yeah. we started a podcast about it, but I'm passionate about it because I realized that like, hey, the, if I wasn't nerdy about this stuff, I wouldn't be who I am today. Like, yeah. I, I it was it is a part of me and accepting that part of you and being proud of it and being willing to talk about it and say, you know what? This was super nerdy, but like I have a great life now and a part of it is due to what I was obsessed with. So, Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, wrestling for me, it was therapeutic. I had a really tumultuous home life, yeah, yeah. you know, and so just to be able to kind of, you know, escape into this this thing that, you know, where everybody had no fear and everything was mm-hmm. amazing. You know, like, I mean, it was, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm really grateful for that, even from an emotional, you know, stability standpoint that that was available yeah. to me. Um, in some That's of those really years, cool. so yeah, That's really cool. Yeah, so um, yeah, let us know your experience. If you guys have loved wrestling, if you hated wrestling, <laughs> if we enlightened you at all, I don't know. If you have any com- comments, hit us up on Twitter at Pass Forwardcast. Um, we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook. Pass Forwardcast at AOL dot com. If you want to email us, do it. Like yeah. someone who a cease and desist. <laughs> yeah send us a Please cease and desist stop doing this so, but this is taking me back and I you know I have many great memories especially um, that time in 1998 when the Undertaker threw Mankind off Hell in a Cell and plummeted 16 feet through an announcer's table yes. no better conclusion precisely than that. <laughs> there it is that said uh, I think that's it for us so until next time snap it to a Slim Jim I was gonna do that <laughs> snap it to a Slim Jim <laughs> later snorks <laughs>